0: Educators, thank you for listening to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. I'm Ashley Mingwasser here with another original opportunity for Georgia educators to share and learn. Today's content is presented compliments of the Georgia Department of Education in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. What's on the menu today? Well, today's special is Engaging Science, taking a school-wide approach. Why all the food metaphors, Ash? Trust me, it's par for the course. My guest today is special, and she especially knows specials. I'm talking about school connections classes like music, PE, and art, but her specialty is science lab. Today's teacher feature from Roswell North Elementary School is science lab teacher and school garden coordinator. How cool is that? Liz Rains. Since 2016, Liz and her envious green thumb have been pouring into students at her school in such a positive way. What can I say? When it Liz rains, it pours. Welcome, Liz. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Are you excited to be here? I am. I'm very excited. This I'm excited is, to have you. very cool. Garden coordinator we're going to dive right into. But let's start with just generally, tell us about your role at your school and how you're able to reach the whole student body. Well, um, as you
1: mentioned, I'm a specials. Class, So it is a 45-minute class that every student in the school um, visits, including our pre-K, actually. Um, And it's a class that is similar to PE, Art and Music, which are the county-sponsored specials classes. This is an additional specials class, and it's um, a science lab slash kitchen lab slash garden special. Gotta love
0: a slashy. (laughs) I have big things to ask you, Liz, such as the best way to cut a bell pepper. But uh. our, our audience, I'm sure, is here for different reasons as educators. So how did you become interested in science education and even just running a school garden? Where does that come from?
1: Well, I came by it honestly. As a child, I grew up in a really cool area of northern Virginia, um, about 20, 24 miles outside of Washington, D.C., uh, Noakesville. It's a teeny tiny little town. Um, my dad was, worked for the state department. He actually worked at the Pentagon, but I think we thought he was always a frustrated farmer. We had a huge (laughs) garden, um, in our backyard and we grew up, um, surrounded by farms. So, um, we gardened as a family and as kids, we helped keep things growing and we got milk from a dairy and beef from local farmers. So, um, we are kind of like that everyone wants to live that organic lifestyle or sustainable. Yeah. Like we were like the original, the OG.
0: The OG family. And, and I really,
1: it's funny, like it hit me a couple of years ago when people are talking about, oh, you should eat organic and this and that. And I was um, thinking about how one year my dad, he'd never used pesticides and he made us all pick potato bugs off of the potato plants. Oh, no. And it took I remember being out there thinking, gosh, just spray. Like, why are we doing this? (laughs) But now I realize. So I think that really started my love of growing things. And um, I have all brothers, and we all grew up working in restaurants. We're a very foodie family. My older brother owned a restaurant, my second Oldest brother attended the Culinary Art Institute of America, and he's a chef. Mm, so good um, to have in the family. Yeah. <laughs> um, so food's always been just a big part of my life, and um, working in those environments, I think you naturally are a teacher. You know, you teach staff and you teach good other, point. you know, employees, and so um, it just sort of stayed with me all my life. I had. Family makes fun of me, like a wide variety of name tags and hairnets growing up. After college, I worked a bunch of different jobs. But um, when I became a mom, I became a consummate volunteer, and school gardens were just a great way to be involved in schools.
0: You get it honest. And (laughs) your whole clan is really connected to nature in some way. Tell me about your nephew. Uh,
1: I have a nephew, actually, who lives on a sailboat. So he and his fiance actually just went off the hook, so they're living They've created a fully sustainable life with um, desalinator water purifiers and solar panels. And um, they only fish what they eat and they clean plastic up from the beaches that they visit. And so it's just really cool to see how, you know, I, I, I just think it comes from our upbringing. And, you know, his parents, my brother, lived that way and loved sailing and loved to give back to the community. So just sort
0: of happened. Is there anything related to food or preparing food that you just think people should do better in general? Teach us your ways. Um, I think be, since we do have part of
1: our science lab as a kitchen lab, I've really discovered how um, food is kind of like the great leveler, like it reaches everybody and kids love to cook. So I think my advice would be just get in the kitchen mm. and cook. Like, you know, the grocery stores make it super easy for you. Um, all of these food subscription services, but just try it.
0: Just try it. It's And if you can read, you can follow a recipe. So, Also a good point. One of the things you said to me when we first spoke was when kids want to do, they try. When they want to try, they eat. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible cycle because you're teaching them about how to use food for their benefit. You're bringing them into the experience of the family food prep. Well, we want to talk specifically about the science lab, not just food. I got distracted, but that's what food will do. (laughs) Let's dive in here. What benefits have you seen with a school-wide approach to science? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot when you approached me
1: um, with the idea of coming on today. And I think the, the greatest benefit is that we are teaching children how to collaborate. And science and STEM is, it's a buzzword, but it's also the future. Mm -hmm. And collaboration happens every day in your life as an adult. And it really happens in their lives as children too. So from a school-wide approach, I think the kids are learning how to work together. They identify a problem, figure out how to solve it, test it. And that goes from whether they're doing a STEM activity or they're putting seeds in the ground, mm. or they're, you know, writing something and they have to investigate and research. So I think the, the greatest thing that the school-wide approach is, is that it it solidifies the science standards that they're learning in their classroom, but it also gives them an opportunity when they come to the science lab to really use those collaboration skills in smaller groups and it gives kids who might not normally shine in certain settings to really, Show off their skills.
0: So that's that's always great. You see these students for 45 minutes, you said, Mm -hmm. in your special. And you see the entire school how frequently?
1: Uh, Twice a month. Since there's only one of me, we're a very large school. Gotcha. We have over 900 students. So um,
0: I see 900 students twice a month. Twice a month you're engaging with every student in Mm -hmm. your school. How does that science rotation support teachers in the classroom? Okay, great question. So um,
1: science standards are set by Georgia. And we follow them and we have curriculum and books and textbooks and workbooks. So what I do is I kind of just make those standards bigger, right? Or I use different experiments or hands-on activities that a teacher might not have time to do, might not have the resources to do, might not have the interest in. So I take what they learn in the classroom and I just expose it in a different way. Or I introduce them to something that they will be learning the next time they hit that science
0: time in their class. You're teeing it up for them. Yes, (laughs) Liz, how does the science rotation support climate in our classrooms? You know, we're talking engagement, behavior, collaboration. In what ways do we support positive climate? Well, I think the science lab allows the kids to um,
1: have a voice. And when they can give their opinion or an experience, It allows them to feel like they're part of a group that um, works together towards a common goal. And that's we're always trying to solve problems in the science lab, right? We come up with um, a way to fix something. And giving everybody an opportunity to weigh in on that definitely allows them the opportunity to feel like they're part of the solution. So I I think that helps a lot. I I think it it gives kids the chance to... um, Bring in maybe aspects of their own families, especially like with food. That's one of the big things is the kids will say, you know, oh, I eat that at home. And, you know, someone who doesn't like a particular vegetable will be like, Oh, you do? You know how? Yeah. And then there's that herd mentality. Well, okay, I'll try it. You know, if you're gonna try it, I'll try it. Or, you know, I know how to cut an onion and that kid comes up front and shows everyone how they use a knife or can has cutting skills. I mean, that it you, you kind of get street cred, I guess. <laughs> Isn't that
0: what we're all looking for?
1: <laughs> I think specials in general are just a, a gift. Cool. They're cool. <laughs> they are cool. I mean, and we have amazing specialists at our school, so we're fortunate in that way. But I think maybe it sort of settles the kids in a way, and they're mm-hmm. thinking in a different manner. So maybe when they go back, they're still in that frame of mind. So I think that would help out the, the teachers in the school. But I think also the biggest thing is for them to sort of get an idea of – what this all means like they might approach um ela in a way where they want to do more non-fiction reading because they've learned about a science standard talking about weather and they want to learn about hurricanes them. right or um math is very applicable to science you know Especially we use it all the time. Cooking, think about that. Measurements mm-hmm. and fractions. And in the garden, we do square foot gardening so we can measure garden boxes and how much space does something need to grow and how long, what's the length of germination time. Or... So there's a lot of different ways that it just naturally parlays itself into the day-to-day classroom. And
0: they're working with their peers mm-hmm. to solve problems and investigate which I'm sure brings them closer together. It does. And I think the thing is science, there's not every aspect of science that maybe
1: every child enjoys. I mean, not every child likes to garden, but there are kids in the classroom that like to garden. And while they are being really jazzed about that, there's other aspects of growing that someone else may enjoy. You know, we need to create a hydroponic garden. Let's figure out how we do that. How do we create a watering system? What are we going to do? And. So there's lots of ways to open it up to the class,
0: which makes me curious. What topics or projects have you seen students get most excited about, and why? Um, I mean, they're still kids. Let's let's
1: be honest. They are little scientists, but <laughs> they love potions. They love anything that explodes. Who doesn't? <laughs> they love slime. Slime. Um, but um, they love anything hands-on and. They love to take things home. I think that's the biggest question. Can I take this home? Can I... To show their family? To show their family or just to keep? Um, They love rocks and fossils. And I mean, I think kids today, they get exposed to so much more, certainly much more than I did as a child. I think my window into that world was smaller because I didn't have the access to the internet that these kids do. But I think a lot of times they want to, feel it and they want to touch it and they want to show it yes i mean i have kids all the time that'll like bring in they'll reach their hand in their pocket or have a box oh, no. of something this and is my nightmare i know and i'm like oh gosh what is what's that? in there what's in there is it moving or <laughs> i love this mrs Raines, i found this and i'm thinking oh, god please don't let it be alive <laughs> <laughs> is it usually sometimes i get a lot of rocks okay a lot of birds nests You know, so just or they'll the biggest thing, too, is the kids want to talk. I mean, I think in this day and age, we we have a hard time trying to control that that balance between chaos and collaboration. So I think in my classroom, it's a time for them to sort of let go. And really, we talk a lot. I mean, some that's the beauty of having a very free and open ended curriculum is. You know, we just see where it goes. And sometimes we'll spend an entire class talking about the latest rocket that went up or, you know, the stars last night or we had a you know, we're getting ready to to have an eclipse or so it's
0: just very free form. Describe one of the physical projects they were eager to take home and show their family members. I think one of the coolest ones we did, and it was so
1: simple, and this was during COVID, and I had a lot, I taught a lot of kids during COVID, but I taught a lot of parents too. There were a lot of parents (laughs) on that screen with the kids. I I had a lot of like (laughs) anxiety. Probably because they were enjoying themselves, (laughs) to be honest. So one thing we had was I wanted to discuss with the kids how water travels up through the stem of a plant to the flower, like how does it reach and that process, and um, bring in the water cycle for fourth grade. Like try to encompass the entire school in these online sessions. So I had – and I, I got this through another site, but it was a paper flower. So it was a piece of flat paper that mm. they colored. They cut the petals out of the flowers, just the actual flower, and then they used kind of like an origami type of fold and folded the colors into itself, placed it inside a bowl, and it bloomed.
0: Oh, So that was flower. just –
1: I don't know it was such like I said it was so simple and the supplies were so readily available, but it just had a huge impact. It's just that wow factor
0: for them to visually see. Mm-hmm. How have you seen students grow in addition to the blooming flower? How have your students grown from year to year taking this rotation?
1: Um, I think now that I've been there for quite a, you know, I've seen kids go between K and five, like I've watched right. them travel. I think the biggest thing is to see their focus. They definitely know, like, when they come into the lab, um, this is a whole different ballgame. We have a different type. We have high stools and um, kind of, like, drafting tables. They know it's a different environment. They know what to expect. But I think is seeing them um, get prepared for the dissections that we do oh as my. we get older. What sort of dissections? Um, and they start out when they're young, dissecting seeds or gummy worms. Um, third grade does owl pellets, which is a very cool way to— um, introduce and then by fifth grade they dissect sharks and fifth
0: grade they're dissecting sharks yeah. I wasn't ready for frogs in middle school I, I didn't. how are they doing this it's <laughs> great and you know I it all part of it is having
1: that foundation um they know that it's serious they know to respect the specimen right um but I think it's having that, um consistency of coming to the lab and knowing that they're learning and they know that dissection is to look within and we do that in other ways besides just dissecting a specimen we do that by looking within to the science standards looking within to our garden boxes looking within to ourselves like where do we want to go as scientists so
0: what can they do in terms of the school garden by later years. Um they do everything.
1: Really? The students they plant, they tend to it, they harvest. They we, harvest. They harvest. We have um donated, we're up to a a little over two thousand pounds of produce that we have donated to our um North Fulton charities impressive um, food bank. We use it in the classroom. We've served it in our cafeteria because we're an all organic garden, so we've certified we do it on the food line. I have a great relationship with our cafeteria manager and she'll you know, Fulton County does a great job with um, farm to cafeteria and she'll be like, oh, we're doing radishes this month and I'll be like, oh, we're growing radishes. And so it just sort of they they do everything. They do everything. I
0: don't hear any drawbacks to the students. What would you say to schools that might be hesitant to take an approach like this?
1: Well, I mean it costs money. It's just yeah plain and simple. It's a lot easier to create lessons and have supplies than you think it is, but ultimately to have a one-on-one teacher that is a a special, we do that because we have a student, I mean, a parent foundation that supports my class.
0: Oh, okay. That's awesome. So it's really, they might be hesitant about the cost of materials, mm -hmm. but, but you can use anything. You could. And we in Fulton County, when they adopted the new science
1: standards and the new curriculum, we received... Um, lab materials to go along. Like every grade level received specific materials that went along step by step with the different things that the kids were learning. So those should be in schools. I mean I can speak for my county Um, and you can take those and you know run with it. I mean the internet is just full of information from other teachers. You can go to the Dollar Tree and get all kinds of STEM lab supplies. You can build parachutes out of coffee filters and string and there's just a lot of you just really have it. it's a matter of taking the time to figure out how to do it. Right.
0: And if you don't have much, you don't need much. What what could they use within their own school? Um, I think
1: the the easiest thing to do would be to look at their school and have the kids come up with a problem that needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. And our greatest problem, I feel personally, is waste, ah. food waste, Um. Just waste, as far as we talk about this all the time, this year we have a big push for name three things that you want to change about yourself and how you live your life. How can you reduce your footprint? You know, how can we not use three paper towels when we're pulling paper towels out of the paper towel holder? And do you turn your water off when you brush your teeth? Our cafeterias
0: are full of opportunities to reduce waste. To reduce waste. Why does your school take this unique approach to science, do you think? Um, This really was driven by parents. So years ago, we had a parent that brought this up, and
1: he's a a physician in our community, and he had two students at the school. And so he suggested the science lab, and we actually have named the science lab after him, Dr. Licata. Um, And... I have an administration that believes in the science lab and thinks how that it's an important part of the kids um, learning when they're at Roswell North. Um, But I think it goes back to parent support without the parents. We just wouldn't have what we have. I mean, when we talk about the bigger things we do in the lab too and the gardens, parents come in and help us. You know, we have a huge community that North Fulton gardeners help us and um, so it's, it's, it definitely takes a village to, to keep us going. Um, the other thing is I, I think we've done a, a good job of reaching out to the people who can collaborate with us, you know, our cafeteria manager and, um, the, the, um, media specialist, I share the days that the kids aren't with me. She's with, she teaches the kids and, um, but I just think that's the best way to, to approach learning as it has to be a community. Also, there's a lot of grant opportunities that are available to science-based learning. Um, Captain Planet here in Atlanta, they have helped fund our gardens through Project uh, Learning Garden. The the Boy Scouts have um, built garden boxes for us. Um, the Georgia Science Teacher Association, they have grants available. Georgia PTA has grants available. There's all kinds of STEM grants available. It's another one of those things where, it's doable. You just have to do it.
0: <laughs> you have to find a way to to create what you want. How is this approach supportive of students engaging in science at the elementary level? In you know, terms of the standards, I think, like I said, I know in Fulton County we
1: just um, started a, a STEM technology high school, and it's all um, medical um, based and. Uh, computer science-based and STEM career-based. And it, it's state-of-the-art. It's amazing. But kids don't start wanting to learn that in the ninth grade. It, it They have to have – something has to be grown in them. I hate to use another garden reference. Please but... <laughs> do.
0: We love puns on this show, Liz. But, um, you
1: know, it, it doesn't always come naturally. And I think in this day and age, like, for example – you know, kids, they want to see what a cell looks like. They can call it up on Google, right? And they can look. But it takes something like the science lab to say, "Okay, we're going to create we're going to we're going to create our own slide out of onion skin, and you're going to create it and you're going to put it on this stand. That's what this is called on a real microscope, and you're going to look in there, and then you're going to draw it, and then we're going to talk about how you just saw how many cells on that tiny little piece of onion skin that you created think of how many cells there are in the human body. Like, what does that happen? What happens when a cell is a bad cell? And so I I just think that you have to grow that interest. And I hate to be, especially in girls. You know, girls hit middle school and they stop, like, really striving, traditionally striving for those math and science, you know, careers. So I think when they are really bolstered
0: in elementary school to to be on fire for it yeah Yeah. it stays with them absolutely and i'm sure it addresses you you spoke about this earlier just that hands-on small group collaborative Mm -hmm. thing that they need yep because guess what kids group projects only get crazier when you get to college it's funny we talk about (laughs) that all the time and 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 beyond and it's
1: not just you know and it happens i'm not going to say it's all you know roses where we are i mean i can create groups and kids are not happy with who they have to work with but it's I say it all the time. You don't always get to choose who you get to work with, and they have to learn to listen to each other. Yeah, You have to listen. You might not like that this person came up with the idea, but question them about it. You know, do it respectfully, but ask them, or how can you build with them? How can you make it better? Or why do you think it might not work? You can't just say it's not going to work. Give us a reason why you don't think it is, and then let's change it. Let's make it better.
0: Yeah, nothing good happens in a vacuum. Well, we have to end with a bang here. I know you've got a lot, Liz, teaching tips for a science lab teacher. I'm sure your tips are going to sound more like try this. So can you give us a few things that our educators can try?
1: Um, I think after all these years I've learned the best thing to do is um, be prepared, but also be prepared for change. So be prepared for the class coming in and the standard you want to cover. Um try really hard to find something that's cool and exciting. Um, phenomenon-based learning is very big. You know, like start with something cool, a mm-hmm. cool video, a cool picture, a cool story. I mean, I have a lot of stories based on how I grew up and my family. So I can talk about it and it just starts the kids thinking. But break them into small groups and allow them to work. And, you know, you got to circle around and listen to them. You just have to listen to kids. You have to let them be they're going to be and then when you find one that is has that
0: spark you got to keep blowing on that flame you got to make sure that you're you're giving them what they need give it oxygen and one of the most salient things i I think you said is you know see what you have there under your nose that you can make use of Mm -hmm. in the cafeteria start there start with what's
1: around you even on your school grounds you know it's amazing and almost every school, and I think in these kits for our school, you know, any type of a magnifying glass or even just a piece of paper and let them go out and journal. What do they see in the schoolyard? Pick up a rock from the playground. Come in. Let's figure out what kind of rock is that. Did it start bigger? How big do you think it started? Mm. What broke it down? Why is it here? Is it also in another county in another part of the state? How did it get to us? How long has it been here? You know, just use what you have. And there's there's just lots of opportunities one of the great things is the cafeteria, you know from the lunch actual trays they everything's kind of in its own little package, and they'll serve a lot of things that are like mini greenhouses almost and when I do cafeteria Ooh. duty, I'm always like, "Don't throw that away, bring that to my room. <laughs> there's a cover on that. we can use that to grow a seed,
0: so there's always something you can use and and make something new out of it. Nothing ever wasted. No. Because Liz Rains will pour her beautiful (laughs) rain down upon it. Thank you, Liz, for being here. Thank you for having me. Your Um, skills are so welcome in our classrooms and my kitchen anytime. Oh, I'm happy. Happy to help. Because I'm curious, is there anywhere we can follow your your school, your class, your work, and also your sailor nephew's adventures at sea? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, my sailor nephew at sea does have uh, he and his uh, fiance have their own uh, website and it's tied to mine. They have a Instagram feed and a Patreon site, um, and they post often. Just Mainly so we know where they are. Yeah, I'm so curious. (laughs) But I also have an Instagram account for the Science Lab and a Twitter account. So it helps me actually, you know, keep up with other scientists in the Georgia area. But um, I post a lot of pictures through that for parents. What's your Instagram? um, At our life science.
0: All right. You got a new follower, Liz. (laughs) Kurt Vonnegut said, science is magic that works. Like Liz has taught us, kids who are growing things will also grow themselves, and what they investigate with their hands, they can hold in their hearts for sharing delightedly with families and the world. Liz also inspires us to let Science Lab take its own form in our school systems. Where there may be no physical four-walled science lab, there's always a science lesson to be found somewhere on your school grounds. Go and find that magic for yourselves and help kids think outside of the box garden. We'll be back next week with more Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. And here's one thing that definitely doesn't need a laboratory to prove, you're a great teacher. Goodbye. (music) Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant.